Welcome to Love and a Romance Podcast. I'm Kristen. And I'm Caitlin. And uh, Caitlin, what do we do here? Yeah, so welcome. This is our inaugural episode of Love and. We are primarily going to be discussing romance novels, but we will also uh, foray into TV shows and movies where appropriate. Our thematic episodes, like this one, will cover tropes, authors, and other themes, and then we'll also have some Feel Good Friday episodes that are a little more relaxed and uh, more info about those to come. Kristen, who are we? We are sisters. We are two full-time attorneys with a romance hobby on the side. Um, And that's full-time attorneys during the day, romance hobbyists, literally any other time we can squeeze it in. Or at the same time, depending on the day. At the same time, depending. Yeah. 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 A lot of 1 a.m.s when a book is really good. Including last night. It's great. (laughs) I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. Absolutely. Um, Kristen, can you give us our content warnings? Yeah, absolutely. So this is... Uh, our first episode is about serial killer romances, which is definitely in the dark romance category. So this podcast is for adult listeners only. This episode will be talking about trauma, gore, sexual assaults, other dark themes. Not every episode is going to deal with these themes, but generally we're going to be cursing, saying things you probably don't want your kids to hear. We read a lot of smutty romance and we're going to talk about it. If you feel like you need a break, go ahead and take one, come back later. Otherwise, let's jump right in. Before we get into this week's theme, a couple of things we want to talk about since it's our first episode. So Kristen, what is a romance novel? I tend to think of a romance novel as having one defining characteristic, which is the happy ending. Happy ever after, happy for now, whatever shit goes down, whether it's a lighthearted romantic comedy or a super dark serial killer romance, there's going to be a happy ending. It's assured. Right. Uh, Yeah, I would agree with that. And uh, I think that is confusing to a lot of folks because a lot of books have romance in them and we applaud that and we love that. But um, in specifically, but in this podcast, we'll mostly be talking about books where you know that there's light at the end of the tunnel, which is something we all look forward to. Um, What color are your nails this week, Kristen? We should say that we also have a nail polish obsession in addition to a romance obsession. Um, So I'm wearing a Linkin Park After Dark, which just felt really dark and moody and appropriate for this week's theme. So moody. What about you? Very classic. I am wearing We the Female, which is in honor of uh, one of the books we'll be talking about today, the Mindfuck series, in which there is a female serial killer protagonist who's super badass. Yes, we uh, love her. We love her. So, uh, Kristen, how did we get into serial killer romances? Mm. Why is this our first episode? (laughs) Well, it happens to be what we were both reading um, when we thought about coming up with a podcast, Uh, but we just really read a bunch of these in a row, and that's often what happens when I'm reading romance. I get really, really into a trope. I actually came to this uh, trope through a non-romance read. Finley Donovan is Killing It by El Cosimano. Um, It's literary fiction. The protagonist is uh, kind of a worn-out mother who gets mistaken for a hit woman, serial killer. Um, she gets into all sorts of hijinks, but it really got me on the serial killer thing. And so after that, I sort of sought out serial killer romances. And you happened to recommend one that you were reading at the same time? Yes, uh, Mindfuck series, as I just mentioned, that is Mindfuck uh, with an asterisk instead of a U. So, you know, super uh, clean. Uh, it's by S.T. Abbey, which Kristen only recently pointed out to me is Stabby, if you read it out. So super appropriate for 
female serial killer romance. Not sure how she missed that, but here we are. Yeah, well, I'm not the brightest uh, tool in the shed. <laughs> That's not how the phrase goes. <laughs> um, so, and more specifically, though, why serial killers? I mean, why in general are we talking about serial killers? I mean, America's obsessed with serial killers. Yeah. It, they're everywhere. I feel like constantly the top podcast, the top 10 on Netflix, there's some kind of true crime something, right? I mean, or dramatization. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, we're just obsessed with them. We kind of always have been. Funnily enough, this I, this is the first time I've seen them in uh, romance novels. And mm-hmm. we'll talk about some other books that we sought out uh, to go along with this trope. And they were kind of difficult to find. Um, but in sort of mainstream media, movies, TV... And even, like, the daily news, I feel like murder and serial killers are everywhere. Yeah. I would say I don't feel like the classic serial killer romance where it's, like, the super dark dude and he's the male protagonist and you've got the weaker female protagonist. Like, that classic seems, like, a little easier to find, but I'm way more interested in the books we're talking about today, which kind of go against that narrative and flip the script a little bit. Um, Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, let's talk about some of the general themes of these novels. Yeah, and these go to the general themes of dark romance, I think. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's no... I'm trying to think of... I listened to the Faded Mates podcast on dark romance, and one of them said that, you know, not every... When they were talking about dubious consent, and they are saying, Mm -hmm. like, not every dark romance is dubious consent, but every dubious consent is dark romance. I feel like with serial killers like not every dark romance is going to be a serial killer book but a serial killer romance is probably going to be hard to make it light it'd be hard hard to make make it light light. yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) right so i mean these books we're talking about they have gore they have obviously murder um on the page Mm -hmm. visceral show violence happens on the page Mm -hmm. and then also a lot of times specifically when you're thinking about the more traditional male protagonist mm-hmm. um and in dark romance usually the male protagonist is the, the darker or the quote-unquote evil one mm-hmm. uh you know you're dealing with things like possession stalking some really dark shit um what some might call the toxic alpha male mm-hmm. that appears in these romances a lot uh yeah and I, that's I, I connect those things automatically with dark romance yeah i would say another theme that's commonplace in these books is that one protagonist is more powerful than the other and that doesn't i mean in the books we're reading you'll see it's not always the if it's a male female it's not always the male uh, it really depends on the book but and authors like to play with that but that is definitely a theme that we've seen in a lot of these novels yeah and um, i think for as uncomfortable as dark romances in general and also serial killer romances where there is a lot of gore and violence on the page Mm -hmm. the fact that they have that guaranteed happily ever after or the happy ending Mm -hmm. uh really makes it tenable it's a scare it's a safe safe way to experience scary shit in a way yes uh i know that i always look forward to that um one other theme that we should just briefly touch on is the transformation element um typically in a romance you'll see both characters sort of have some history, some drama, some trouble that they need to... Internal struggle. Internal struggle, that's a good way to put it, that they'll need to move past during the novel and meeting the other person will help them and they'll work through it and sort of come to a middle ground. Um, A lot of time in dark romances, and specifically with serial killer novels, you have one character, typically the one who's doing the serial killing, who doesn't really change. They're more static. They're going to keep doing what they're doing because they have this whatever moral compass is telling them to do this. They're going to keep doing that. Um, and the other person tends to get swept up in that and tends to... Tra- so basically, one person who's static and one person who's transforming 
um, which is a little bit different than a lot of the general romance themes we see. Absolutely. Even in, even in dark romance, I think, like, some other subsects of dark romance. Yeah. Um, maybe where you're not talking about murderers and serial killers and things like that. There might yeah. not be as, as much of a one-sided transformation, but certainly we saw that in a lot of the books we read this week. Yeah, so for example, um, Born Darkly is uh, one of the novels that we read. Who wrote Bar- Born Darkly? I We were going to have that in the episode notes at the end because I didn't write that. <laughs> well, Born down. Darkly is a duet, right? Yes, Born Darkly is a duet. Um, I read the first one. So this is one of the, one of the books where it's male-female. Um, the male protagonist is a serial killer, and he's killing... Uh, people who deserve it, you know. I mean, well, it's not for cool. it's not for us to decide. <laughs> people who quote unquote deserve, deserve it. it, according to him, people who've you know molested children, people who've killed other people, people who've killed girls, um, and the female main character is somebody who has a really dark history with her own connections to serial killers, and so he is very static in his beliefs and what he's trying to do throughout the first book, and the female protagonist is. Uh, She's a she's a psychiatrist who's trying to help uh, serial killers and murderers, you know, not be on death row. And uh, she sort of gets pulled into his view of the world and his view of why killing can sometimes be the right thing to do, according to him. So that's one of those books. Kristen, you read a different book with similar themes. Yeah, I read a little bit of Born Darkly, and I would say we read that after the Mindfuck series, which again we're going to talk about, but it was very cerebral, like mm-hmm. internal. I felt like there wasn't a lot of action on the page as much as it was like internal dialogue Mm -hmm. um but you read that and then i i started the all the saints series which is by um sophia lark um and it's the first book is there are Are no saints and this was again kind of a your more standard dark romance setup where the male protagonist is the evil or dark character um and the female protagonist is the light or lighter character i'll say in this case and the setup for this one was really interesting because the the protagonists were in the art world, takes place in San Francisco, mm-hmm. and the male protagonist is a serial killer, and there's another famous male artist in the series who's also a serial killer, and they're kind of like dueling serial killers. They're both widely known, but obviously the public doesn't know about this kind of secret life they have. And, you know, I didn't read the second part of the duet that's still on my TBR, but actually, by the end of that book, I felt like he was the one that was more transforming. Hmm. He he essentially becomes obsessed with the female protagonist and becomes a stalker. And but does he stop murdering people? He does not stop murdering people. Yeah. But he becomes surprised at his own behavior. Hmm. Like, shocked that this woman could make him want to be different or... He, he tries to kill her at one point, and then he doesn't. And he's, he's shocked by that. He's like, why would I not kill her? Um, so, you know, but these are the duets we both have to, we both have to see the second part and how the second act plays out. Mm. But this was more, definitely, tr- like, had a lot of traditional dark romance elements. And as, as much as I loved the setting, this sort of idea of like, this artist community in San Francisco, I felt like the characters themselves mapped kind of to your standard dark romance where he's he's evil he's very possessive mm-hmm. he's very alpha he's very dark and she is not necessarily as dark as him right she's not killing people but she's not really light and fluffy either she's kind of like a badass i feel like you see that a lot in dark romance in general like the women the woman is either like very innocent and and light and can't advocate for herself or you see like someone a woman who is 
kind of the opposite of that and she come, becomes a badass in her own respect and so mm-hmm. that's what I saw in this and that's what we ended up seeing in the Mindfuck series with the, with the flip script yeah. of who's the, the quote unquote evil one yeah um, another book that I read along those themes is Psycho by Only James and that's a male male um, serial killer dark romance very steamy very very into it uh, I know you you haven't read it yet but um, I read I'm like 10% I recommend, in I recommend uh, so August is a serial killer along with all of his adoptive brothers. And, uh, it's a whole series. It's a whole series, which I haven't read the other ones. But this one in particular, August is a serial killer. Um, I think he's, he's on the spectrum. So he's like, he's they call him a psychopath. So he's like very focused on killing. He doesn't really have any remorse for his victims. He He's only killing, he and his brothers are only killing people who, again, quote unquote, deserve it, according to them. People who've done bad things and that the law has failed to bring to justice. So that's sort of their angle. Um, Lucas, the other male protagonist, is um, a former, I think he's a former FBI agent who is clairvoyant. So there's a bit of the supernatural in this book, which I haven't seen in many other serial killer romances. But Lucas um, leaves the force because he has a mental breakdown because he sees that his partner is um, a serial killer and is killing young women. And the women have been disappearing all over town, Native American women, people who, you know, historically haven't been investigated as much in, in terms of their murders or their disappearances. So he and August um, end up meeting. He touches August and he sees that August is also a serial killer. And he's like, well, shit, <laughs> it's another can't, person. Can't get away from them. Can't get away from them. <laughs> but August sees him and he knows immediately that this guy knows who he is because he can see the horror on his face when he like falls down. He's like, what the fuck? Um, and August, for some reason, is like, oh, you're my person. You're it. Like, this is, I'm, I'm a psychopath. I can't really love people. I but, you. like, I'm choosing you. You're it for me. <laughs> I wrote you a day. There, right? Yes, for sure. I mean, the whole thing is, like, five days. And they're just like, is it crazy that we love each other? And they're like, nope, they're it for me. We're good. And Lucas, I think, is, he's sort of like, I don't, what's happening? Like, it's weird that this man is just like, you're it for me. Like, that doesn't happen. But he, he very quickly understands August's cause because the law has also failed him. I mean, he, the FBI didn't believe him. Nobody believed him. And his former partner is still running around killing people and coming after him as well. So it becomes this story of them working together to bring this guy down. And, you know, there's an element, too, of there's some torture scenes. He gets he gets his shot at torturing this guy for information. And he, yeah, but it's an interesting one where there are transformations on both sides, actually, because August is like, he never thought that he'd feel this way about somebody. He always thought he'd be alone. And suddenly there's someone in his life where he feels like that's the most important person and I want to protect you, and I also want to, like, wake up and cuddle with you, and that wasn't a thing. Like, I hate being touched, but I love it when you touch me. So that's that's really beautiful. And then Lucas obviously comes around to, like, you know, in some cases, killing people maybe isn't so bad when there's women disappearing, and the only way to make it stop is to kill this person. Like, maybe, maybe that's an exception we have to make. I think that's really interesting that a lot of the themes we're seeing in the two books you mentioned so far, The Born Darkly mm-hmm. and The Psycho, um, book you're just talking about there is the the killing that's happening is, is sort of like the justifiable killing of right. the bad characters and that's different from the sinners duet that i was talking about um the the two male artists who are doing this killing are not <laughs> they're not revenge killing or killing people that um have wronged society mm-hmm. the sort of the not the male artist uh who's called alistair shaw who's kind of like the rival he he just kills women just because he does <laughs> the other guy doesn't kill women right he yes the main male character whose name is cole he does not kill women but he just kills men because he he considers 
killing women too easy. That's what Lovely. that's what the narrative is. Nice. You know. Um, but he, he hasn't met uh, Lana from Mindfuck yet. I know. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Book crossover needed. Yeah. Um, but like the first person we see him kill is just like someone who gave him like a shitty review. Uh, so he's not. <laughs> He's not... It's revenge in its own way. Yeah, it is. But if we can justify... Certainly as readers of this romance, like, we justify the Mm -hmm. killing. Like, that's part of, I think, what the author's job is. If The goal is to make one character kind of transform, um, unless you're writing a completely satirical novel or something just so outlandish and ridiculous that, like, you couldn't couldn't follow it and take it seriously as a reader anyway. you, you You want the reader to stand behind the fact that the killings are justifiable, right? Anyway, um, so I think it's just interesting that that the Sinners duet, we have this killing that is not justifiable. And and just to talk more, a little bit more of that book, um, you know, the way he first, setting up sort of the the female main character and the male main character, she's this artist in San Francisco too, but she's very poor. She lives in a house with like 12 people. That's I mean, like even crumbling. rich people in San Francisco live in a house Yes, that's very true. But they're like, they're like an artist community. They're all struggling for studio space. And she goes to some party because there's always like a gallery open or opening or something like that. And she's going to kind of see the community, but also there's free food there. Of course, she's going to go get some of that because groceries are a struggle. And Cole, the main male protagonist, is there along with Alistair Shaw, the rival artist. And Cole sees her in this like white shift dress and this like other man near her bumps into her and spills wine, red wine, all over her dress. And the man just ignores her because he's like a high society snob and doesn't see poor lonely artist girls in the corner. And so Cole watches her go to the bathroom and she comes out like five minutes later and she's completely tie-dyed her dress. And he's like, who the fuck is this chick who just like transformed, you know, a horrible accident into something beautiful? And Alistair Shaw, the rival artist, sees Cole looking at her and he's like, who is this? Like, who's this person? You're interested. And he's like, it's no one. I'm, it just happens to be this girl I'm looking at. Um, but Alistair Shaw starts to, he's a killer who is messy and brutal. And Cole is like very um, clinical about it and clean. Mm-hmm. And so Alistair essentially like puts the girl, the female main protagonist, whose name is Mara, in Shaw's, in Cole's hands. Um, he sets it up so that she's basically dying and puts it in the way of Cole, like where he's walking one night and she's like bound and bleeding because he's trying to taunt Cole into like killing a woman, which he doesn't do. And he ends up ignoring her and then seeing her weeks later alive. And he's like, who the fuck is this chick? (laughs) She tie dried her dress, like after getting spilled wine on. And then I'm pretty sure she was, I left her bleeding and dying and now she's alive. So she becomes, she's a character who takes care of herself, but that kind of sets off this obsession and possession. But I think that's a common theme where, like you were saying before, the, the female character could start out meek, but like there's this survivalism about a lot of the non-serial killer protagonists. Absolutely. Um, including Lucas in, this, in, in Psycho and including um, the other character, Logan in the Mindfuck series, which we'll talk about in a moment. But there's this survivalism and like strength about the other character that which you need to have if you're going to be dating a serial you, killer. You, they really do meet the the evil or the bad character like at mm-hmm. their level, mm-hmm. um, which is saying a lot because that person is a serial killer. Yeah. Um, why so, don't we turn to the 
to the books of the hour. Yeah, the series we keep mentioning, the Mindfuck series. Yeah. Which is actually a series of novellas. Five, five novellas, yes. Um, so I found this book through Reddit, which we love, uh, especially oh. the romance novel. Uh, romance, romance books. Romance books subreddit. It's a very active subreddit. We, I'm yes. there daily looking for recommendations. Yes, Kristen's always sending me uh, recommendations from Reddit and vice versa. So this uh, series of five novellas is super approachable. That's how I get into it. So I was like, I, can, I got two hours to spend reading the first one. If it's good, I'll continue. If not, I don't need to. Um, but it was great, and I ended up reading all five of them back to back. And uh, the the length is really good, especially if you're new to this type of series because it's the it creates really good pacing. Yeah. Because um, every hundred pages, when the the novella would end, you right. have some sort of like heightened event or cliffhanger. Right. And 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 kept things going. Right. And you can get a lot more character development because it feels like there's these segmented like episodes where you can see more about these characters uh, than you might if it was just one big book. So, so what was different about this one? Right. So funny that I started out reading this one because I think typically a lot of these serial killer romances um, are male and female um, and the male will be the serial killer and the female will be, you know, the, the female protagonist who's not a serial killer. In this case, the female protagonist is a serial killer and the male protagonist is an FBI agent who's trying to solve her crimes. Uh, this is another one where she is killing for revenge and justice purposes where the law has failed so i think i think in general books where that's the case are just more for me personally a lot easier to get into and a lot easier to um relate to because it's 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 hard for me to read a story where the you know one of the characters is just totally morally corrupt but in these cases especially in this one she is very justified in doing what she's what she needs yeah when you find out sort of the backstory of why she's she's basically gunning after a bunch of guys and mm-hmm. she, she well in a town and, and it ends up, ends up being a town but yeah. she does we see brutal her brutal martyrs on the page of these men mm-hmm. um and including lots of castration yes content warning for that yeah it's kind of like her calling card yeah, in a way. exactly um but when you find out why she's doing it you really stand behind her um and in a way this book is a lot about female empowerment, even though it, for me, it was, even though it is executed in a way where, you know, there's, there's killing and there's murder, which is, has ethical and legal implications. But, um, as a woman, I just felt like kind of empowered by reading this. For sure. It's kind of like secretly what every woman wants to do at some point in her life. Oh yeah. I mean, hopefully, I mean, the shit that happens to her when she's a kid that she's getting revenge on is fucking terrible. I mean, it it's is. It's like one of the worst it's, yes, that I've read in a dark romance. Ever. Yeah. It's horrible. So once you find, I mean, and we're going to try not to give too many spoilers in this podcast because I think in particular this book is not super well known and I'd love for more people to read it. Um, So just to back up, let's, just, let's give some names to these characters. Yeah. So Lana is the main female protagonist. Uh, and Logan is the uh, male protagonist. And then we've got a couple of really strong side characters that we'll talk about in a minute, one of whom is Hadley, uh, and the other is Jacob, who's Lana's partner in crime, so to yeah. speak. And Hadley works for the FBI along with Logan. And they kind of meet randomly. You know, she has been doing mm-hmm. her killing. She's kind of yeah, she's like five. Crossing people. names off the list. Yeah. I feel like every novella starts with, like, before even the first chapter, there's like a page of like names yeah. and crossed out, and it's just like, these are the people I've killed already on my list. Yeah. She has a very specific list of people she's trying to kill. And um, so they meet off chance and they have a lot of witty banter. 
and they like each other and she finds out and has he's an FBI agent and she's like shit this is probably not a great idea I'm a serial killer it's literally what he does but they can't stay away from each other they end up really really liking each other um and he is interesting because he is not he's definitely an alpha you know he's Mm -hmm. he's an alpha character he's an alpha male but right, he, he's leading his unit. Yeah. He's good at what he does. He's putting people behind bars. But he is not toxic or possessive or mm-hmm. stalkerish in the way that you think of a lot of other male protagonists in dark romance. Mm-hmm. I feel like the I actually was thinking about this the other day, where if you took out Lana's day to day activities, right, the killing, would this be a dark romance? Like I tend to think of the a lot of dark romance as being between. The characters, like there's darkness in them, but also towards each other, mm. and you don't really have that with Lana That's and Logan. True. Yeah, they're very, they're, their love is really pure. It like, really is. Really there's beautiful. not a lot of darkness between them. I mean, there's secrets between them, certainly. Yeah. But um, and and the other thing is, you know, she 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 is so brutal with these guys that mm-hmm. she's killing, but she's sort of um. A little naive and uncertain of herself with Logan. For sure. For sure. And Well, it's a different... She's a different side of herself with him. Yeah. And she talks a lot. And I mean, when she's... It's her chapters. She narrates a lot about how he's sort of bringing her back from the brink. Like, she's... She sort of feels like she's losing her humanity when she's, like, out castrating people and murdering people and torturing them. Um, And she knows, you know, why she's doing it. And she never strays from that. The belief that what she's doing has to be done. But she definitely feels like she's losing her humanity. Yeah. And Logan is the one who pulls her back from the brink. Yeah. And so that's why she can't let him go because she's like, this is, you know, this, I, I need this. She, I, she knows she's slipping. Yeah, I will and, lose and myself. And he doesn't even, you know, know that she's a killer. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't realize that he's even doing it and like helping her. Mm-hmm. But she eagerly grips onto his presence mm-hmm. and feels a calmness and, and yeah, feels like her humanity is being held on to yeah because um, she is gonna stay on her revenge path well and this is one of the themes we were talking about was is this vulnerability uh, and a lot of these books you know as we mentioned with like psycho for example you'll see them the whoever's a serial killer you'll see them realize that like this person is the only one that can bring them back the only one they love they sort of they have that human element and that's pretty common but i think in media um it's rare to have a strong female that has so much complexity where you see the vulnerability and the strength. So you see both her doing what she needs to do and killing these guys and like exacting her revenge, but you also see how unsure she is of herself, how unsure she is of the relationship sometimes, and how much she's really just letting herself need this guy, despite the fact that it could, you know, it could impact her mission. I also should point out that she's like, super ethical in terms of their relationship and the fact that he's investigating her case like she refuses to ask him for information about what he's found out about her and to impact his investigation in any way because she doesn't want any of this to fall back on him she doesn't want him to ever feel like he wasn't being good at his job or that he sacrificed something for her she really cares about him you know being himself and like being a good person that's really important to her yeah absolutely I, and I think, you know, we were talking about transformation earlier, mm. um, where a lot of times in dark romance, you have only one, it's only one-sided, someone moves more towards the light or the dark, and this is the other thing that made me question if this could really, is really a dark romance if you take out all the serial killing, mm. is that they both have a transformation here. She was on this path towards losing her humanity, she, you know, ends up finishing her revenge, 
you know, without giving too much away. And then she's like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm done. That's, that's, I'm not like a killer by nature. This was just, well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the epilogue. There's the some epilogue. shit that happened. But, but, um, but in general, yes. Most of the she, year, she's in general, just in a She's person. not a killer by nature. This is like a specific plot that she, and, and something that she specifically needed to get done. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she comes back to her humanity more and she opens herself up to because the thing that happened to her really closed her off to like any relationship not even romantic but just like she has jake who's her friend and who also is kind of pulled into the revenge scheme because part of what happened to her affected him too Mm -hmm. so they're kind of in on it together um but she doesn't really have any relationships outside of that i mean Mm -hmm. so she she does become close with hadley the female who works uh with logan at the fbi who's like a She's like a hacker. Very suspicious of, of Lana to yeah. begin with. And then they find common ground. Yeah. And uh, it's really, I think the relationship's really beautiful. It's, re- it's hilarious also. It is hilarious. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of, I should say, this book is is definitely dark. You, you see the gore on the page. Yeah. But I was laughing out loud a bunch. Yes. I mean, there's times, you know, just as a little sprinkle, like there's some jealousy that Lana and Logan both deal with. As you've seen a lot of romance where someone's getting attention from the opposite gender or whatnot and there's some jealousy of whatever character you know you're in their head and Lana is has some jealousy with over one of Logan's ex-girlfriends who works with him at the FBI and her internal dialogue is like can I just stab her really quick it's just one little stab um and Hadley's sort of pulling her back. Yeah, she's sometimes. like, just don't, maybe. Yeah, it's uh, So she transforms. She finds more humanity. She finds more connectedness in relationships. She really starts to heal from her trauma, not just through completing her mur- murder revenge, mm-hmm. but through her relationships. Mm-hmm. And he, in turn, he transforms as well. Maybe. Yeah, so he starts off really believing in the FBI. It's actually a similar theme with... Um, Lucas and Psycho, but he, Logan starts off really believing in his cause and believing what he does as an FBI agent and bringing down these, you know, these killers, um, serial killers, essentially. Uh, and throughout the book, a lot of corruption, internal corruption within his unit is, is discovered. And also a lot of corruption at, you know, with what happened to Lana, uh, when she was younger and with this town and like everybody in law enforcement involved in this town, basically, including like the judges and, and, uh, folks higher up. So, um, he starts to realize that the law really failed her, who, you know, well, he doesn't know she, who she is initially, but he failed this person. Uh, and then also figures out that the law is continuing to fail these people because, he, you know, with all the corruption in his unit, he can't do what he needs to do to bring these people down. So he realizes, too, that in the end, there isn't really a way to do it through the law when the system is so corrupt and broken. And I think that's a super common theme in these books. So he does have that transformation where, but it's interesting. It's not, he doesn't just, he never leaves his moral code. He just figures out that the current system he's operating in doesn't serve his moral code. Yeah. And I mean, it's super interesting. I don't think it's too much to say that eventually he finds out that she's a serial killer. I mean, that has to happen. You know that that's going to happen. And that's going to happen. Yeah. Um, And and that becomes a struggle, obviously, like because Mm -hmm. of who he is and his moral code, like it is a struggle for him. But, he, part of his transformation is like coming to her side a little bit mm-hmm. um 
and I think they did that well because he really does maintain his moral code, mm-hmm. especially reflected on like what he's experienced through the legal system and yeah. now what he's aware of. And I will say, I mean, it's believable. Like when you find out what happened to her and what happened to her brother and all the actions of the folks in this town that made it so they couldn't get justice. I mean, it's it becomes believable that this FBI agent is like, yeah, these people need yeah. to be taken out, which I was really impressed with. I mean, I was rooting for her, like, from the minute I started the book because, like, every woman wants that moment of revenge. Yeah, and there's also a lot of... to figure out, to just talk about how much of a badass she is? Yeah, I mean, so you see her, like, literally killing on the page, but also you just see her fighting like there's fight scenes and she's taken down these guys and she's smart about it like she's she's wearing a backpack and big boots so they think she's like 250 pound guy and they don't know how she's getting into their houses and they're and she and her friend so her friend um her friend jake is who's who's like her sidekick he's her sidekick tech tech genius yeah he's playing the long he's playing the long con where he's made people think he's been in a wheelchair for five years and he's not so he can get around and nobody suspects him like the fbi at one point um, Logan and, and somebody else come to visit <laughs> him and they're house. like so sure that he's the guy and he's going to be the killer because they found some connection. They walk in and they're like, what the fuck? How did we miss this? Why yeah. he's in a wheelchair? There's no way he could have killed these guys. Um, but she's taken down like big dudes and, and it's really funny in her internal monologue. She'll go in and she'll be like, oh yeah, he just thought he could intimidate me and he didn't even need a weapon. Well, like sucks to be you. Yeah. I took you down instantly because you just her don't know how to fight and I've like, trained right myself. Away. Yeah. She basically trained her body and her mind for the last yeah. ten years to be preparing. And for this. then, as you are, as more is revealed about what happened to her, so like you start out being like, "Hell yeah, go woman power!" And then the more you find out about what happened to her, the more you're like, "Oh, I'm really in this for you. Mm-hmm. I want it." And for everybody you. else's too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's yeah, that's mindfuck. I mean, it's it's a great series. I, re- I highly recommend it. Absolutely. Mindfuck by Stabby. Yeah can't go wrong also it's on kindle unlimited mm-hmm. um which we'll try to tell you guys and so was the born darkly but that duet although we support uh buying in store we do store. and i in particular have like a big in-store shopping program <laughs> problem for our local bookstores which yes. really isn't a problem this is a problem for my bank account um and psycho was also on kindle unlimited and so is the center's duet mm-hmm. so we definitely try to do ku and we can um finley donovan i want to talk about her again yes the book again that got me into romance or not a romance, romance not traditionally romance there is romance involved there's actually like two romantic characters and the sequel just came out or the the second book in the series which i still have to read i'm really excited about it i think it picks up where this one ends so it's like the same people involved um but this book is hilarious in a kind of in a similar way of mindfuck where there's those funny moments um so finley donovan is um a mother of two her asshole ex-husband was like cheating on her and now she is a single mom in the house watching these kids the first page literally had me laughing out loud because like one kid's got like maple syrup all over his face the other one is like cut off part of her hair she's she's struggling um she's an author and she's having trouble writing and so once she finally like takes care of her hectic morning she ends up meeting her agent uh at a panera which becomes like a joke in the beginning too. She's supposed to go downtown to some fancy place and she couldn't get her act together because she's a single mom. They end up at a Panera and they start talking about her book and she is an author of romantic suspense. So she is writing things, um, a lot of what we talked about today. She's talking about killing and and the romance element obviously of it, but in murders. And so 
they're talking about the plot of her book and they're talking about it without really saying that it's a book or an outline or a plot of a novel. Vague descriptions. Vague description. Yeah, of like, okay, so how much money should it be? And And she's got some incriminating shit in her purse. Yeah, when should I... When should I kill him? You know, things like that. They got bloody, uh, bloody scissors yeah, of hair her, in her purse because her two-year-old tried to cut her hair off. Tried to, yeah, so like this woman Classic. is sitting at the next table, is overhearing this conversation, happens to glance in her purse, which yes, has like hair in it that her like two or four-year-old cut off their head, has duct tape because yeah. the daughter demanded that she duct tape the hair back to like her now bald part of her scalp. Um, and put a hat on her head. And I think she's got a knife too because she like cut the duct tape yeah. on the way out the door. And so this woman is sitting next to her and she's like, what the fuck is this? And the agent leaves and then the woman drops a card onto Finley's table and walks away. And she finds this card with a number on it. She calls because she's just curious and this woman h- tries to hire her to kill her husband. So she thinks Finley is a hit woman based on the conversation, based on what was in her purse. And it's a natural conclusion. Natural conclusion, clearly. Um, and Finley is like, what are you talking about? I'm not doing this. She's like, I'll give you, I don't remember what the amount of money. 50 grand. 50 grand, that's right, yeah. And, and Finley is having money problems because her asshole ex-husband is, uh, you know, left, left her for another woman. Left she her for another woman. book. She's got writer's yeah. block. Exactly. He, he basically owns her life. I mean, he yeah. owns the house He's she's trying to take in. the kids, too. Yeah, he's trying to get full custody. He's like, he's just. He's, he's the worst. an asshole. Yeah, he's the worst. Um, so anyway, she gets wrapped up into this murder plot because the woman who hired her offers her 50 grand and says, my husband will be at this bar at this time. Like, go kill him and then I'll give you the money. And Finley has no intention of killing him. But for some reason, she decides to get dressed up and go to this bar. She gets a babysitter for her kids. She's like, what the hell am I doing here? She meets a cute bartender mm-hmm. Um, who... Mm-hmm we love and then she she ends up seeing the husband um and somehow gets involved more than she intends to uh he ends up dying um i won't give any more away but she gets up involved and caught up into the plot um and there are more deaths deaths and there's conspiracy and she is just trying to keep her life together. And her name is floating around as a hit woman. Yeah, I'll, that too. Yeah. Like, other people are trying to hire her for shit now. Yeah. Um, so it was hilarious. But the th- I think this is definitely not a dark romance. You don't see gore on the page or anything. No. Um, it's definitely like, humorous. I would say it's a humorous suspense mm-hmm. novel. Um but you do – and I also think it was it's different from Mindfuck. I mean, in a lot of ways, obviously. But Finley is is uncertain of herself in the similar way that Lana is, where they're, they're both dealing with a vulnerability. But it's just a different vulnerability. Like, Finley's just trying to keep her fucking life together mm-hmm. with her kids. And she does come out on the other end advocating for herself, like, sticking it to her husband. Like, it ends on a good note. I have not finished, and I yeah. cannot wait for that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, like, and you know that's going to happen as part of the plot. Like, yeah. But she she does get her act together um, and holds her own. And you just, from starting out with feeling like she's so messy and does not have her shit together, she comes around. Um, but also a lot of times by accident, mm-hmm. which is just the funny part that things seem to fall into place or not into place of, not of her own doing. And she's just rolling with it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like there are other, I mean, taking back your power as a woman, I feel like that's a big theme in mind. Fucking it. It is in Finley Donovan too. Are there other 
dark romance themes that are sprinkled in here that are, you know. I think, you know, it's interesting because, like, the other romantic interest, and again, not a romance novel, this is a very small part, but he is um, a police officer or an FBI agent. Oh, He's a police officer. I have not that part yet. Intrigue. Yeah. Um, works with her sister, who is a cop. Mm-hmm. And so there is this, like, this play of, like, she is, you know, in this kind of serial killing world, and he is this cop, uh good guy well a lawyer is a criminal like he's studying like to be a public defender yeah yeah absolutely so there is this like playoff of like good and evil and also um and there's a connection between them too uh but as far as other themes of dark romance i mean i don't think there wasn't a ton in this one like i said it's not a romance it's definitely not a dark romance there's only one protagonist there's only one protagonist yeah you're not you're not, like, getting a lot of another character. Um, it's really about her internal development. Mm-hmm. Um, but it certainly is empowering, just in a different way from Mindfuck. Um, it makes me think of this other book that I read, uh, which is not a serial killer romance, but it, it, it's woman empowering. It's called The Power by Naomi Alderman. I read it a couple years ago, and it takes place in a alternate reality where women have like superpowers oh i've heard of this yeah but the men don't and yeah. so it's like a flip on society where women are the powerful ones and <laughs> we the female exactly male color on point today mm-hmm. um and so you know so i think it's interesting we came to serial kill romances and we ended up reading a bunch so that we could like mm-hmm. really focus on the genre but for me what i took out of it was really the ones that were like the female is the winner, the badass, you know, mm-hmm. and I paid less attention to the ones that were just sort of on the typical dark romance train. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, I think finding Mindfuck and the other female empowering characters is really the win for me from this trope. Um, but I also, I mean, I just love the, so one of the reasons I love reading dark romance and I know Faded Mates talked about this too and they're interstitial for dark romance, which we both listen to, but, um, is that you can experience this really scary shit on the page. You can, not be sure about these characters' motives. You can not be sure where it's going. You know that they're trying to get away with shit and that there's people in law enforcement trying to catch up with them. And you know that at the end of the book, there will be a happy ending. And especially for books like Mindfuck, where she is so justified in what she's doing. Um, or in a book like Psycho, where you just got to put this bad guy down because the system has failed so badly. It's it's so nice to read a book where you know you will be crushed at the end and it will be okay. And but the, you get to see the journey through yeah. it. And, like, it's kind of cathartic in well, a way. You, you can enjoy it. I enjoy it more. If I don't know if a book is going to end well, I sort of, like, I'm sort of, like, cringing as I read because I'm, like, afraid that something's going to go down that I'm going to be unhappy you with or it's going to crush like, me. You're crushed and then you right. won't get back up. Right. But I can read, there. I can sit down and read a dark serial killer romance cover to cover because I know that, like, in some way they're going to get their happy ending at the end and it will be okay. Yeah. That yeah. said, after reading serial kill romances for like two weeks straight in preparation for this i do kind of need a dark romance break um which i just do with tropes generally like i'll get into really into like friends to lovers and i'm like i need to read something that isn't about two college folks yeah you know getting it on um a lot of college you know in in my 30s not as into the uh high school college aged i think the college stuff the high school stuff is harder yeah but the high school stuff is a lot of like you really have to sp- suspend reality because mm-hmm. they're all, like, rich and for some reason can go do what they want and... Yeah, they don't really go to school. Yeah. Yeah. And they have all this, like, authority and influence and yeah. it doesn't make sense. It's like Anyways, girl. Anyway, we're going not, off on a tangent. That's a different episode. Yes. Um, anything else you want to say about serial killers? We will have uh, 
find all the books we talked about in our notes for this episode which you can find at www.loveandpodcast.com yes that's and spelled out a-n-d yes you should also check out our instagram love and podcast love and underscore podcast yes yes um so thank you for listening you can find us on apple podcasts and wherever you get your podcasts and check out our instagram for future episodes and please send us your book recommendations and requests for what you want us to talk about what you think we should be reading we want it all Mm -hmm. i think that's it for today thanks for listening go love yourselves Mm -hmm.